0: Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your hosts, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. Welcome you back to another week of the Daybreak Devotions here from McLeansville Baptist Church. And I am glad to welcome you. Pastor Mike Barnett here. And this guy over here is glad to welcome you.
1: I sure am. The AP. The AP. The one and only. What stand for? Associated Press? The Associate Pastor. <laughs> but sometimes
0: uh, I feel Associated Pressy. Speaking of associated pressing uh-huh is it all right if i get controversial first thing on monday i wish you would well i was just going to mention that we've been slowly working our way through the chosen season three. Ah. Oh. you know it, it's funny because i was the first one around here that started watching it and now I'm, farthest behind. everybody else is already way ahead of me yep but uh yeah we just finished episode three or four the unclean part one and so it's Jairus' daughter has just died. Uh-huh. You got the woman with the issue of blood that is about to fall apart. And Jesus is about to walk through the town. I mean, that, that's not happened yet, but that's obviously going to be part two. And I was just thinking about that when you said Associated Pressing. It made me think, man, this is going to be good. Even when you know what's going to happen, uh, you I'm, know it's going to be good. I'm
1: telling you what. So
0: I remember the build up
1: to part 2. I had to I had to think about what the episode was, but when when you explained it, it doesn't disappoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, every everything that you know you've got to build up for of like man, this is just going to be powerful. It's that times two. I, that might part 2 might have been one of my favorite episodes of that season.
0: Well, I'm I'm going to be on it tonight. Whew. Yeah. So, question, and this won't be a spoiler alert I don't think okay. for me or anybody, but the one thing that's missing that always makes that whole section of the gospel powerful is that Jesus goes to the Gadarenes and comes back, and then leads. Do they do they not include that? I told ah. you
1: that was that's been my biggest disappointment because the the account with the maniac of Gadara. Oh, I remember the yeah, yeah having that
0: conversation. It's
1: one of my favorite accounts in the Book of Mark, and I was so disappointed that they skipped that because, I mean, that's the trifecta right yeah. there the the maniac and then the woman with the issue of blood, and then the raising of the daughter. Mark 5 is just a fantastic
0: scripture. Well, you know they can't put everything in there, Mm -hmm. I'm sure. But anyway, looking forward to that. In fact, we don't do this very often, um, really ever, but certainly not in recent years. But we're actually going to have a marathon. Is it a marathon? I mean, it's like three more episodes to finish the season. Um, we're going to we're going to try to we're going to try to finish the whole season tonight. So uh, there's our shout out for a Monday morning uh, the chosen for those of you that haven't got involved. If you've not dabbled in it yet, just please then you probably don't know why I said controversy.
1: Yeah, but just go ahead and just understand there's a lot of good folks that probably have a lot of opinions. But this is definitely one of those things don't build your opinion solely based off of somebody else's opinion regardless of how much you love and respect them it's it's worth trying it out for yourself it's worth experiencing it to formulate your own opinion
0: i'm going to just say this and this is i'm not being dogmatic i'm not making a judgment i'm just sharing a, an opinion pretty mm-hmm. strongly held opinion I think the people that have the controversy or the people that don't like this would only be the people who have never really got to know the Lord. Because the reason I say that, my mind goes back to the first experience I had with it, and that was our friend Matthew Jones, Pastor Matthew Jones over in Greensboro there. He sent me a link to just a YouTube video clip from the episode where Jesus meets the woman at the well. And I watched that. 12-minute video, whatever it was, man, tore me up. I mean, with with joy and and thankfulness and mm-hmm. gratitude, and never one time have I looked at, is his name Jonathan Ra- Ramey or something? R- Rumi, right. Rumi. I've never looked at him and thought, that's Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I haven't got confused about that, but I have seen Jesus portrayed in such a genuine way that the Jesus I know in my heart, I've never seen it portrayed closer. And you can't, You can't do it perfectly. But look, yeah, to your point, there's going to be things that are not in, quote, not in order, or they didn't say that in the Bible. Well, okay, do whatever you want to do.
1: I mean, so I come from the VeggieTales generation. Oh, this ain't even Friday fun day. Not Friday fun day, but I watched a lot of VeggieTales growing up. And, you know, they embellished a lot of the Bible story. Last time I checked, Goliath wasn't actually a giant pickle. Well, he was sour, though. He sure was, and he sure got in a pickle by the time it was all said and done. But, you know, thats you take even a good preacher or a Sunday school teacher, and and a storyteller takes the facts that are given and then encapsulates them in a way that motivates. And that's exactly what I feel like The Chosen does a great job doing. They're, They're true to the plainly revealed text in Scripture, And the story is not far-fetched or so unbelievable where it's like a stretch of a, like, like that would ever happen. It's within the context of believableness based on the other stuff that is clearly revealed in Scripture.
0: You know, I was struck in that same episode by by Peter and how, again, so if you want an example of an extra-biblical thing, is Peter and his wife, their frustration they have for each other. Yes. And Peter blows up on Jesus. Like, just frustration, walks out of the house. And, I mean, because you, you're thinking, there's nobody that would ever do that to Jesus. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm telling you. So I, I want to
1: review with you after you finish your marathon because Peter's one of those characters already, even in the first two seasons, that you just can't help but love because it's like, man, that, that's, that's a real, raw, genuine guy that is having a life-changing experience with Jesus. Season three, Peter, you just you put yourself especially as a man you put yourself into Peter's struggle where there's issues at home there's issues with the government there's issues at work mm-hmm. quote unquote so to speak you know there's pressures and and so he's dealing with all these issues and nobody's happy with him everybody has their opinions of how he's doing it the wrong way and he's not even happy with himself in the whole process yeah. and ends up lashing out at the people that he loves the most
0: Peter's good and the scene with uh the, what is it, the preemie, whatever they call him, the, yeah. Roman, the Roman officer. And, uh, oh, he asked him about his boss, Jesus. You yeah. know, like, why don't you talk to him about it? And Peter says, I, I don't feel really inclined to talk to him <laughs> right now. Yeah. Oh, man, that is such a – there's nobody that's put that on film before. Mm-mm. And was it in the Bible? Well, not exactly that scene or dialogue, but, yeah, that's in the Bible it's dealt with all through scripture and what's even more is friends you and i know something about that yeah. i mean some of us have more maybe maybe some people don't have a tendency to get angry with god or maybe they just haven't lived to the point where they've faced that before but we know a lot of people have had that experience and you know what it didn't do and i haven't even seen part 2 but i know this to be true jesus didn't give up on peter yeah he didn't he didn't quit loving him I,
1: I love Jesus' interaction with Peter all throughout that that season. You see the patient heart of Jesus throughout all of it. Mm-hmm. He's not deterred. He's not discouraged. He's not disappointed. And I think that has been what I have loved seeing the most. The way that they have presented Jesus in the show is not the Jesus that I grew up learning about, but it's the Jesus that I grew
0: up longing for. Like, mm. like man— The listener ought to hear you say that again. It's not that was well said, by the way. Did you write that down before you said it? No, I didn't, (laughs) but
1: I should. It's not the Jesus that I grew up learning about, but it's the Jesus that I grew up longing for. Because you always feel like, man, I let Jesus down. I, I know Jesus is so great. He's so pure and perfect. He's never let me down, and I, you know, he's so disappointed with me. And you read the Gospels, and it's like, man, I just can't relate with Jesus. That is, what I, that is what I have loved so much about the way that they represent it is because they put before you so that now when you read Jesus in the Scripture, you see the patient, forgiving, long-suffering, yet firm actions of Jesus.
0: Before I say what I was going to say, I'm going to ask you a question and put you on the spot. Okay. In your watching of this, have you and your wife had moments where both of you are in tears?
1: Oh, multiple times.
0: Okay, good, because I was about to say— Anybody who watches this and you don't have multiple times of just your heart just being squeezed, I I want to say wrenched. I think wrenched fits conviction. Squeezed fits that feeling of being loved. Yes. If you don't have that, I'm going to be honest with you. I I don't know if you know the Lord. Just be clear. I'm I'm just saying that's how I
1: feel about it. Yeah. I think for me... There were a lot of tears shed of joy, like especially the the healing of the of the um, the leper. Mm-hmm. You know, when he laid hands physically on him, you know, there were good tears shed. But I think the one that I remember the most, where it was a major emotional experience, was when Mary backslides for a little while mm-hmm. and then comes back and is making really kind of like the prodigal son speech of, you know, I I let you down so much. I'm not worthy to be your follower. I'm so this, that, and the other. And, oh, I wish I could remember the exact line, the way that he says it. But but he says something to the effect of, you know, a, a redemption that, couldn't make it through this is not much of a redemption at all or or something like that, way more powerful of a statement than how Mm -hmm. I just butchered in the the repetition of it. But I think that one got me because anybody that has had any kind of an experience of a walk with Jesus has felt that.
0: Oh, and guess what? After that, Mary is just perfect the rest of the time, right? Wrong. I mean, in the same episode last night, her and the, I don't know that other woman's name, the Egyptian woman, but they're going at each other. I mean, it, it's so real, and it it's hopeful. It's hopeful because it's, it's actually showing us what we already know to be true. And by the way, somebody says, well, I wish you'd get the same feeling reading your Bible, and then I'd believe you. Yep, you're too late to the game. That's yeah. why it does matter so much, because I do get the same experience in my Bible, and it, the Lord is just in it. I didn't know we were going to start with this.
1: I'm telling you, it's a great way to kick off a week, though.
0: Well, you know, this dialogue is not completely um, out of line with what we're doing today because we're coming back to Psalm 90 uh, this morning to look at this whole thing about rejoicing in our trouble. And we just talked about all that adversity that Peter's going through in his life. And, uh, you know, a lot of the disciples, when we read the gospels, we see it. But of course, when you're reading it in the gospels, unless you use your imagination, which is okay to do, God gave it to you for a reason, all right? And we could use it for a lot worse things. But when you you use your imagination, you kind of see and put together some things that, man, the disciples just had a lot of problems and had problems with each other. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of adversity in life. I want to just start out by saying, I'm no stranger to adversity, but the reality is anyone that's living life knows adversity, it's part of it. But then add to that, as in the story of Peter that's being portrayed in this current part of that show, add to that, what if your life's work is in the field of dealing with the soul or dealing even, now that's as ministers we do that, as counselors you do that, as teachers you do that, you know, there's a lot of areas you do that. But then add to that like dealing just with the brokenness of a body, so physicians and nurses and there's all these areas, uh, first responders of all kind, if you are genuinely doing that kind of work, you're not only experiencing adversity in your own life, but now you're entering into the adversity of a lot of other people. Yep. And so that's where I come from when I when I speak to this today, is there's a lot of adversity that we go through and live with on a regular basis. Now, this is why I say all that. I am very susceptible to being cast down. That That's the tendency because... You know as we've studied things like temperament and how we all have a different kind of makeup of our soul I am a deep feeler and so I can feel joy very deeply but I also feel pain very deeply and when adversity comes I have a tendency to go into the you know the dark side of that you know and and not stay in it a super long time but but definitely stay in it longer than I would like to But Moses here is praying in our text, Psalm 90 and verse 15, make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. Who in their right mind would say that? Who would even think that that makes sense? Like, make me glad for all the trouble in my life. Lord, make us glad according to the days of affliction. And as you mentioned Friday in the broadcast, not only just affliction, but the affliction God himself has has brought on us. So this is a little perplexing. Glad for affliction, rejoice in adversity. That doesn't that doesn't align with a normal human way of thinking, but this is the teaching of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Matthew 5, verse 11, blessed are ye, that means very, very happy are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And by the way, just a little clarity on that we have, you, me, and so many people have grown up hearing that verse and that kind of verse used as a way to, once we go out and act like jerks in the name of Jesus and people treat us bad, we say, yep, I'm blessed, I'm being persecuted, and that has nothing to do with it, with that verse. Exactly. But when you are actually choosing to truly walk with Jesus and you choose not the path of least resistance, you actually choose the path of the hardest resistance, the hardest road, straight as the way, and narrow is the straight as the gate, narrow is the way to follow Jesus. It is the harder road to walk down. When you choose that, you will face adversity for Jesus' sake. And that's very different than what most people have ever understood. I'll tell you this when you promo your persecution, you're not being persecuted. Not real not real persecution when you've got to
1: put it on a t shirt. Yeah. And it's especially I mean, social media has not helped the problem at all. It has definitely propagated it because it's so easy to get your story out there. And you can do it in a passive, you know, I don't want to draw attention to myself. But if I can be a blessing to somebody else, Mm -hmm. you're not alone in your trial. This is what I'm going through, too. I just want to encourage you about how I'm suffering, too. Is really kind of a tongue-in-cheek way of being like, I'm going through a hard time right now. Everybody look at me.
0: Yeah, I spoke my mind, and you know what? They've treated
1: me badly, and and they didn't like it. But you know what? I'm just going to stick by the stuff. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue to speak the truth. I'm going to do it in love. Man,
0: we sound snarky ourselves. It's, I'm telling you though. It's. I think part of my annoyance with this. That's the word. That's what I meant. We sound annoyed.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm tired of getting lumped in with people that do that. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of being guilty by association with people that I'm not even wanting to associate with. Like, oh, you're an independent Baptist? Oh, we know how y'all are. No, no, you don't, because I'm not that way. Oh, yeah, 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 you're one of those, you want to tell everybody what you think until all of a sudden you got to deal with the consequences. No, actually, that's not what I want to do.
0: You know, labels are extremely helpful in the grocery store. Yeah. Not very good in, in the realm of our of our life of faith.
1: That's a great point. Thank you. I, I like knowing what kind of apple I'm buying, whether it's a Honeycrisp or a Red Delicious. But, <laughs> I mean...
0: Yeah, he's good. So, I mean, how many labels do we get slapped on us now? I, I mean, we do live in the time of self-identify, right? Uh-huh. So, I mean, it's cliche to say, I'm just a Christian. I'm just a Christian. Well, most people that are saying that really f- have all these other labels that they cling to. Now, there absolutely is nothing wrong with just being a Christian, but what does that really mean? We'll probably get to that before we're done here. But Let's come back to this thought. I think about how Jesus was the man of sorrows. He was acquainted. That means he was very familiar with sorrow and grief. And yet, I have no doubt that he was the most joyful person that ever lived. And if you think about it, the only way that makes sense is for this prayer of Moses to be right. In other words, Moses has to be true when he says, make us glad according to or in an equivalent measure to the affliction we have. So Moses is equating, I will only be as joyful as I am afflicted. So, and in that sense, we, if we learn to rejoice in affliction, the most joy-filled people in the world will be those who have suffered the most affliction.
1: Which I think you see that play out. I mean, think about, I guess my mind goes to some of the sweetest most delightful people I've ever met in my entire life. And when I hear the story of their life, it it, it almost breaks you because it's like, how are you even still here? Mm-hmm. How, how, how are you even still functioning? Like, you know, you have you've had a hard life, but you would never know it by being around them because they just radiate. Man, that's somebody I want to be around.
0: And to be clear now, the automatic here is not that if you suffer a lot, you'll become a joyful person. Right. The automatic is is that you look to the Lord to learn how to rejoice in the affliction. And in, in learning from Christ how to rejoice in affliction, that's what turns that affliction into your joy. I
1: think the term that we used during the Way of Holiness conference, what, what was it? Um, learning to suffer with Jesus. Yes. But to enter into our suffering with Jesus. Not only, you know... All right, I know Jesus suffered and so I'm going to be able to suffer too, but actually bringing him in and and going through the trials shoulder to shoulder just completely immersed with one another.
0: Well, not only did Jesus teach this and there's so many verses we could we could use, but I think of Philippians in this topic. Philippians and and 1 Peter are especially. They're not the only ones, but those are key places. I mean, 2 Corinthians is a good book on suffering, but even Paul making this statement in 2 2- or in Philippians chapter 2, verse 17, speaking to the church, he says, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Paul said, if I have to give up all that I am, lose everything, if I give my life in service for you, I rejoice in that. Mm-hmm. You can't, nobody, nobody can say that unless they've learned something of letting God turn affliction into their joy. And the Bible, again, is full of this kind of thing. Um, Moses is telling us here not only that we should do this or should want this, but he gives us how to do it as you look at the whole prayer. And the time we have remaining, I want to point out about three things that I wrote down. But the reason ultimately which we stay with the suffering, because that's what we're talking about, stay in it, don't run from it, don't hide from it. But the reason ultimately that we stay with the suffering is not because of what we get out of it, but because of what we get in it. It's in it that it happens. We find the love of God most real and most relevant in the suffering. Let me give two resources here. I want to refer to the Streams in the Desert book again. I was reading how how timely this is, but as we were studying on this, even with Friday's episode and, and all the timing in the Streams in the Desert, September 7th and September 8th. Now, You can see my book here and all the little tabs. Mm -hmm. Every orange tab uh, signifies where I read something that deals directly with suffering. This book is really a book about suffering um, and doing it with Christ. It's really a Psalm 90 book. Because there's
1: an awful lot of orange sticking out of the side of that book. A
0: lot of orange, and I kind of got out of the habit there uh, for a while of marking it, but I'm going to have to slap some orange on these pages. But but just for example, uh, from this book, September the 8th, They quote Psalm 4 and verse 1, "'Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress.'" And then the the writer says it like this, "'This is one of the grandest testimonies ever given by man "'to the moral government of God. "'It is not a man's thanksgiving "'that he has been set free from suffering. "'It is a thanksgiving that he has been set free "'through suffering.'" Hmm. "'Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress.'" He declares the sorrows of life to have been themselves the source of life's enlargement. Now, if you're just going to read through your Bible quickly and not meditating and not prayerfully, you're going to miss golden nuggets like that. Those are the nuggets uh, of the soul. So again, it's not Thursday's Treasure Trove, but I've already recommended that book before this year. But there you go. Here's another one. Um, I was listening to the That Sounds Fun podcast that came out last week. It was an interview, and I won't remember how to say her last name. It looks like Chloe, sort of like Coley. Maybe that's how you say it, but it's Dr. Alicia Britt Coley or something like that. But she's being interviewed by Annie F. Downs on that podcast. So I'll be honest with you. Some people wouldn't enjoy that podcast. She interviews some really good people on there. I've never heard of this lady before, but it was a, a book that she had recently put out. But here's something she says toward the end of the podcast. and When I heard it, I said, i got to include that. She's talking about her daughter, her 20-year-old daughter, who grew up with this like desire to be a dancer, and she poured everything she had into it. She believed it was God's gift. She believed God was calling her to do this. And then there was an accident where they were hit by a distracted driver and she had some sort of permanent damage to her, I think it was in her back, whatever it was, she cannot dance now. She cannot do some of the things that her body just is not capable of doing. Mm-hmm. It Now, she still lives a full life, but it. this lady was saying how it crushed her daughter when that happened. But here's what she says in the, in this conversation. She said she told her daughter, you know, you have always been really good at living happy with Jesus. Your whole life you have lived happy with Jesus, and now you have the opportunity to live sad with Jesus. And that's okay because at the end of your life what's going to matter? It's not going to be the happy or the sad, but it will be the with Jesus. Wow. Oh, and it's not over. <laughs> she she says she goes to talk about how when Jesus is baptized. So the 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 book, I think the title of the book that had just came out is Night is Normal. And they talk a lot about, you know, that old that saying the dark night of the soul that was written by John of Chrysostom, or whatever. I think he was the one that wrote that. But she says, Jesus, when he's baptized in the Jordan, she said, Remember, the heavens open up. God's voice speaks his pleasure and blessing over his son. The Holy Spirit descends down on him. We picture it as this clear, beautiful day. Uh, John the Baptist is there. The people are surrounding him and witnessing this. This is a glorious moment. But immediately after that, Jesus is sent into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And I pick up the quote here, we have no record of God the Father's voice during those 40 days. Did God love him? Yes. Was his Father pleased with him? Yes, he had already said so. And yet there's no record of the Father speaking, but the enemy's voice is loud and clear. So when we are in those places where we are not hearing God or we are suffering, we must remember Jesus. It is not because God doesn't love me. He loves me. He is pleased with me. It's not because I'm disobedient. Jesus' obedience was what led him into the desert. It has led many great ones into the desert. So what is happening in the desert? The winter, the night, the barren place, and the last thing we expect. Our love for God is being purified. You see, in the daytime at the Jordan, we we think we see clearly. We know fully, and it's easy for us to be self led. We tag with God and say, I've got this, thanks, God. But in the night, you lose the illusion of self leading because you can't see, you can't feel, you can't hear, and you have to decide who you trust more. And when we decide in the night, I trust you, we decide in the night, I actually want you more than I want out, I want you more than I want answers. I want you more than I want healing. I want you more than I want anything. Then we fall more deeply into love, the kind of love that truly changes the world from the inside. I got to tell you, the reason we quote anybody is because they say what we would want to say, but they say it far better than we can. Yep. But that right there is a home run. I said I had three things I wanted to lift out of this. We're out of time. So I guess we could finish it tomorrow. But man, the reason we stay in the suffering is not because of what we get out of it, but because of what we get in it. We find the love of God most real and most relevant in the night.
1: Friends, have you a wonderful rest of your day. Keep these things with you. We look forward to finishing off with you tomorrow. And we thank you for joining us on today's program We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.